0: Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I do that, if you could, wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you are listening to, if you could, please either subscribe to the uh, channel, or if you could, leave me a review uh, feedback because when you do that it, one, opens up the algorithms to let the people know that I am here, this podcast actually exists. Two, when I see the feedback, it allows me to actually see what people are saying and it allows me to uh, make corrections to this podcast as the podcast to you to go on into the future because I don't plan on stopping no time soon now with that being said let's start off with the show Monday Night Raw will open up with an in-ring promo from the Judgment Day that's Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest they're out here to brag about beating up the Mysterios last week and they tell the crowd that the Mysterios will not be here tonight Damian will then talk about what he's going to do to Edge next week because he has a one-on-one match with Edge in Toronto this will be Edge's first match on Monday Night Raw singles match in 12 years he says that next week he's going to beat Edge into retirement. Ray would then pop out of nowhere and attack both Finn and Damien from behind. Ray really would stand in front of Ray, wanting Ray to hit her, but Ray wouldn't do this. This was all a ploy for Finn Balor to go outside to grab a steel chair and to get in the ring. Ray would see Finn coming in with a steel chair, dropkick Finn, take the chair away from him. And now Ray has the chair and he has both Finn Balor and Damien Priest with the chair. And he does this multiple times, and Rhea will step in front of Finn and tell Ray to hit her with the chair. Rey was going to hit Damien with the chair, but Rhea will grab the chair from Rey, and this would allow Damien to kick Rey in the chest. You would then see Damien get on top of Rey and start punching him, and this would allow Rhea to lay the chair down on the mat and grab Ray Mysterio and hit a DDT on Rey on the steel chair. To finish off this beatdown, you see Finn go to the top turnbuckle and Damien will put the chair on Ray's chest. And then you see Finn jump off and hit the coup de grace on the chair. And now you leave with the Judgment Day standing tall as Ray's laying there on the mat. There was no Dominic Mysterio anytime during this beatdown. After this, we would get our first round Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament matchup of Asuka and Alexa Bliss. with. Uh Bianca Belair in their corner going against Nikki ASH and Dewdrop. Asuka and Alexa would win the match by submission when Asuka and Alexa would hit a series of moves on Dewdrop. Asuka would hit a sliding kick. And then Alexa would hit the DDT. Asuka then will hit the Cold Breaker. And then Asuka will finally lock in a modified octopus lock on Dewdrop. And Dewdrop would tap out. After the match, Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka will walk up the ramp. And once they reach the entrance. Uh, stage Dakota Kai, Bailey, and Io would be there standing there clapping for these ladies. Now, all six of these ladies would talk to each other, and this will lead to them having a shoving contest, and then you'll see backstage officials and referees will come out to separate them. This was all to build up for hype for Asuka going against... Well, Asuka and Alexa going against uh, Dakota and Io next week in the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. And also... This is still building up for the clash at the castle match, where it'll be a six woman tag matchup: Oscar, Alexa, and Bianca going against Dakota, Bailey, and Io. So this was this this is what that was all setting up for, just to get people more hyped up for the matches to come. After this, we get a tag team match: Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander going against the team of Champa and the Miz. Champa would win the match for his team by pinfall when Ali would try to hit Miz with a 450 splash, but Miz would roll out of the way, and as Ali was coming down and he's about to hit the mat, Ciampa would come in and hit Ali with a sliding knee to the face, and then he would pick Ali up, hit the fairy tale ending, and then cover him for the win. After this, we had Drew McIntyre come in for an in-ring promo. Drew's out here to say that he's a SmackDown guy at Raw, and that might be shocking to some. It will be more shocking if the other guy would show up and actually do his job for once. And he's talking about Roman Reigns, because he is the unified champion. He's supposed to be on both Raw and SmackDown, but he's majority majority of the time on uh, SmackDown. Drew would talk about his upcoming match with Roman and start naming dream matches uh, he would have if he wins the Undisputed Championship. He says Drew versus a Champa, Drew McIntyre going against AJ Styles, Drew versus the new Seth Rollins. And then you would hear the music of KO come out, and Kevin Owens will come out. Drew will even then name Kevin Owens as one of his opponents. Kevin Owens will come out and tell Drew that he is tired of Drew being comical and Drew not knowing who he is. Kevin Owens will say that he had the exact same problem because he will say that for the past couple of years, Kevin Owens has been taking it easy and not trying hard, and now that's going to change because he realized something last week. He needs to go back to being the prize fighter, Kevin Owens. He needs to go back to winning championships. And he mentioned that it's been five years since he's held gold in the WWE. And that's a long time for a caliber of superstar that Kevin Owens is. He gives a warning to Drew and lets it be known that whether it be him or Roman, whoever comes out of the match as champion at Clash of the Castle, he is coming for them. Drew will retort what Kevin Owens says about. Drew not knowing who he is and then Drew would ultimately challenge Kevin Owens to a match and then it would become official. So we would get that match right now and Drew would win the match by disqualification when Drew was setting up to hit Kevin Owens with the Claymore, but the Usos would attack Drew from behind. Jimmy Uso would super kick Drew McIntyre and then Jay Uso would go to the top turnbuckle to hit, well, to look to hit the Uso splash on Drew, but Drew would move out of the way. Drew would send the Usos out of the ring and as Drew would turn around to look at KO, Kevin Owens would hit him with a stunner. And this will lay Drew out on the mat. Kevin Owens will go to the Usos and tell the Usos to give Roman a message that he owes him one. Kevin Owens would then leave the ring, and then the Usos would get back in the ring. And they will look to try to hit the 1D on Drew McIntyre. But once Drew got to his feet, he would headbutt Jay Uso. And then he would hit Jimmy Uso with the Claymore kick. Drew will look into the camera and say that he will be on SmackDown to call out Roman Reigns, so expect that on SmackDown. After this, we had an in-ring promo from Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is only out here because Matt Riddle was on the screen, and Riddle is supposed to be giving a interview, an exclusive interview about his uh well-being since he got curb stomped at SummerSlam. Seth would be out here to. See if Riddle is going to retire. He hopes that he is. And then Seth will even give Riddle a couple of things that he could do while he is retired. And one of is including farming because he says that's a lucrative business that's somehow been popping up out of the works for the past couple of years. And what he's indicating is marijuana farming because Riddle's character is kind of a pothead if you get the drift. But and you can kind of get the drift when you see Riddle and the way that he acts. He's kind of a stoner type deal. Uh, Riddle would pop up on the screen and tell Seth that he's medically cleared and that when he sees Seth, it's on sight. Seth would start naming a uh, couple of the places that when they did see each other that he got the upper hand on Riddle. He would name whenever they saw each other at Madison Square Garden and that's whenever uh Seth would curb stomp Riddle on the outside of the ring and also at SummerSlam and that's where, again, Riddle got curb stomped by Seth. Seth will say that he can't wait for the next time he sees Riddle because he is going to curb stomp him again. Riddle will say that he's glad to hear that because he's actually here. And then you see Riddle go from behind the scenes and run directly to the ring. And you will see him run like halfway into the ring. And you see Seth try to curb stomp Riddle again. But Riddle would slide out of the ring and then pull Rollins out of the ring. Now you got both Seth and Riddle fighting outside of the ring on the outside, and then you see them fighting close to the commentary table. Seth would throw Riddle across the commentary table and then put his head on the commentary table. You will see Seth get on the commentary table, try to hit the curb stomp, miss, and then he would jump off the table. Riddle would get on the table, hit Seth with a knee to the face. Seth would go out into the barricade or over the barricade into the crowd and then Riddle would follow him. Seth would then start running up the audience stairs. Riddle would stop midway of the stairs and watch as Seth runs away. You would then see later in the night, uh, Riddle backstage would challenge Seth to a match at Clash of the Castle, and it will become official. So at Clash of the Castle, it will be Riddle going against Seth Rollins. After this, we had Veer Mahan going against a local guy named, uh, I believe, Bo Keller. Veer would win that match by submission, when Veer will lock in the clerical clutch on Keller, there's nothing to be said for this. As it is, we have the United States Championship matchup, the Dream Match. Bobby Lashley going against AJ Styles. Bobby would win the match by pinfall when AJ would try to hit the phenomenal farm, but Bobby would move out of the way, and AJ would bounce off the ropes into Bobby's spear, and Bobby will cover him for the win. There was a moment in the match when uh, Miz and Ciampa were at ringside and you see AJ Styles on the outside of the ring he's laid out and Miz was going to try to do something but you see Dexter Loomis hop over the barricade and stand next to the commentators and then that's when you see security rush over and take down Dexter Loomis handcuff him and take him out of the building again we're still building up with this whole thing of why Dexter's here why is he's constantly having some type of situation where AJ's around, Dexter's around, that's kind of a thing. They have not elaborated on it yet, but more or less, probably we will have to wait the next couple weeks. If anything, if not next Monday Night Raw, the week after that. So if not next week, two weeks from now, Monday Night Raw, I think we're going to have an explanation of why Dexter is showing up on Raw, and particularly with AJ Styles, with something to do with him. After this, we will have Dakota Kai with Bailey Io in her corner, going against Dana Brooke. Dakota would win that match by pinfall when she would hit Dakota with the running corner kick to the face for the win. Again, building momentum up for uh, Dakota as her and EO would be going against Alexa and Asuka next week. And then the main event of Monday Night Raw, Dolph Ziggler going against Theory. Theory would win the match by pinfall when Dolph was going to look f- to hit the Famouser on Theory, but Theory would catch him in midair, put Dolph on the shoulders, and hit the 8 town down for the win. Somebody tweeted out that this was uh, Theory's first win since winning the Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. I didn't know that, and if that's truly the case, that is something to behold. And you know what? When you think about it, they could be, right? Because every other match that he was in, he's always like he gets disqualified or he takes a loss. So I can see that we're trying to build Theory up as a credible Money in the Bank a contract winner as a guy holding the briefcase, so whenever he does cash it in, it actually makes sense. It just isn't a guy that we just plucked out of obscurity to be the guy to cash in and become our next uh, undisputed champion. Theory needs something. Right now, he doesn't have that something. Right now, we know that he's a future champion in the making, a future heavyweight champion in the making. He has all the potential in the world, but for right now, he doesn't have that thing that could carry the Undisputed Championship, at least not in my eyes that I see right now. Again, he has a physique, he has a look, he has a wrestling ability, but he just missing something. I don't know what it is yet, but he's just missing something. It's probably like the character presence. I don't know, but hopefully they'll nail it, and hopefully this will build up for Theory to become a credible guy when he does cash in his Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. And with that, that's your Raw uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, off to NXT. This was their Heat Wave edition. A uh, couple things to note. Uh, first thing is Blair Davenport, formerly known as B. Prisley on The Independence. Uh, she made her debut appearance on NXT when backstage during the show, you will see Indy Hartwell receive a letter from her former boo, her former husband in storyline wise, uh, Dexter Loomis. Because you see her open up the envelope. It has a cartoon uh, drawing of Dexter holding Indy. And it says Index. That was their couple name before Dexter got released. And you see Blair walk up, take the paper away from Indy, tear it up. And say that she's here to shake up. Well, not shake up. She's here to win the NXT Women's Championship. So Blair Davenport is now on NXT. At least the American version. And also... Next week on NXT, we will see a lights-out matchup between Tiffany Stratton and Wendy Chu. Now, I don't know what NXT or WWE's version of a lights-out match is, but at AEW, a lights-out match is basically anything goes and no holds barred. But the caveat is is that whoever wins or loses, it will not affect their record. So basically, this is an unsanctioned match. I don't know what NXT is going to do with a lights-out matchup between Tiffany and Wendy, but I will be waiting to see when that happens next week. Now, on to the show. The first match of the night will be a North American Championship matchup. Giovanni Vinci going against the champion Carmelo Hayes, who had Trick Williams in his corner. Carmelo would win the match by pitfall thanks to some help from Trick. When Giovanni had Melo in position to powerbomb him, Trick would get in the ring, and then Giovanni would throw Melo at Trick. Giovanni would then pick up Trick and hit him with a spinning powerbomb. Then Giovanni will pick up Melo and then try to, look to hit him with the power bomb, but Melo will reverse it into a hurricanrana for the win. To me, this was my match that I wanted to see throughout this whole heat wave card, and this match did not disappoint. Melo came out again and had another special entrance. He did follow through what he said last week. He said he was going to put Giovanni on a shirt, and he did do that, but underneath uh, Giovanni's head on the shirt, it had flames underneath it, so he was like putting them in flames. And Also, as Melo was walking out, you saw a trash can lid, not trash can lid, a trash can that had fire in it, like a burning bin. And he put the shirt inside of the burning uh, trash can. So, again, Melo gets all these special entrances on these, like, NXT specials, and that's what make Carmelo Hayes special. He is a special competitor, he's a special individual, and I like that they are giving Carmelo this special uh, treatment. But Giovanni and Melo did put on a good matchup, Giovanni was able to keep up with Melo and Melo was able to keep up with Giovanni. These two really complemented each other with speed for speed, uh, that dynamic. So if you wanted to see a match on NXT Heatwave, I would say see this one. After this, we would then get the Diamond Mine coming out for entering promo. You have Julius, Brutus, Roder Strong, and Damon Kemp out here. Uh, Julius talks about that he f- was watching footage of them losing the eight man tag against Tony D'Angelo's family a couple weeks ago. And Julius would say that he saw something in the film and he's here to call out that one person that he says is trying to bring down diamond mind. And he says that it's Roderick strong. Roddy would take exception to Julius accusations. Roddy would say that he created the diamond mind and he brought all of them in and he calls the Creed brothers, the best tag team in the world. He even goes out to say that he will put the creeds against the Usos any day of the week. Julius would say that Roddy could say all the things that he wants, but he could say that one moment in front of their face, but then stab them in the back. Julius would then play footage of the eight-man tag and show when Julius was holding Tony. Tony would tap the mat and gave Roddy a look, and Roddy would then hit Julius with the knee to the face. Roddy would say that Tony is a scumbag, and he might have a tick, but he isn't the traitor. Roddy would tell Julius that Julius has been having a beef with him since May, and you would see as Roger Strong is continued to talk to the Creed's and Damon Kemp, Gallus will come in and attack the Creed brothers and Damon Kemp. Gallus is a group of NXT UK talent, and that's a stable that consists of Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang are former NXT UK Tag Team Champions. As a matter of fact, they're the longest reigning NXT UK Tag Team Champions because they were holding the belts when the pandemic was going down. So you will see Gallus attacking Diamond Mind, and Roderick Strong is looking over in the corner watching as all this happens. You will see Wolfgang look over and see Roddy standing there. He would then call Mark and Joe to look at Roddy. Joe Coffey and the rest of Gallus will start walking up on Roderick Strong. Joe Coffey would headbutt Roddy in the stomach and then the rest of Gallus would start attacking Roderick Strong. Gallus would leave Diamond Mine laying in the ring as they would stand tall over them. Later in the night, you would see the NXT UK Tag Champions Briggs and Jensen talking in the back and then you see Gallus walk up on them. Gallus would say that the tag titles should be on them and not a couple of disgraces like those two and they would say that they want a match against them next week for the UK Tag Team Championships. Brace and Jensen accept. so we have that match set for next week on NXT. Out of this, we have Cora J going against Roxanne Perez. Cora would win the match by pinfall when Cora would get her Kindlestick and swing it at Roxanne. Roxanne would kick Cora in the gut, making Cora drop the Kindlestick. Roxanne would then pick up the Kindle Stick, and as she was holding it in the air looking to swing at Cora with it, she will have an inner struggle. She looks at Cora as Korra is begging. You see that she wants to swing it, but she doesn't. She ends up putting the Kindle Stick down, and Korra will take advantage of this by forearming Roxanne in the back, then hitting Roxanne with a DDT on the Kindle Stick for the win. I'm not mad at Korra winning the match. I'm actually uh, happy that she did win because this gives Korra more credibility for her turning on uh, Roxanne because she could say that she was the strongest link in the group, uh, Roxanne just got luck. She was riding off all that high of being the next big thing while I was always here and I opened the door for you. So this could push Cora into this sense of confidence in the sense of just being somebody that thinks can't be touched whenever Roxanne finally does get her moment in the sun of actually touching Ro- uh, Cor- Jade and beating her, it will be much more sweet for the character Roxanne Perez. After this, we get the street fight. Tony D'Angelo going against Santos Escobar. Con- the condition for this match was if Santos wins, himself and Legato would be free from underneath uh, Tony D'Angelo's thumb. And if Tony wins, Santos Escobar would be eliminated out of nxt he'll be gone uh tony would win the match by pinfall when tony and santos at towards the end of the match uh they were on their knees grabbing at each other's hair and they were talking to each other and on one end of the ring you saw tony's crowbar there and on the other end of the ring you saw santos escobar's brass knuckles there they got this way because during the match you would see tony d'angelo call for his crowbar and Stax didn't see the crowbar in his usual position because Raul, uh, not Raul, uh, Toro Cruz would have the crowbar hit Stax in the head. And then later in the night, later in the match, you saw uh, Santos ask for his brass knuckles. Electro would try to give him the brass knuckles, but Tony would roll them up, knocking the brass knuckles out of his hand. So the brass knuckles would be laying on the mat. Now back to this. When both men would see their weapon of choice, they would look at each other, they'll yell at each other, they will let go of each other's hair, and then they'll run off to their weapons. Santos will pick up his brass knuckles, Tony D'Angelo will pick up his crowbar, and they'll run towards each other, and they'll hit each other at the exact same moment with both of their uh, weapons. You'll see Santos hit Tony in the face with the brass knuckles, and you'll see Tony hit Santos in the head with the crowbar. And sadly, Tony D'Angelo would be dropping onto the body of Santos, and the ref would make the cover while well, he would make the pin, and Tony would win the match. So, Tony D'Angelo is the winner. Santos Escobar has to leave NXT, and Tony D'Angelo has, in my eyes, solidified himself as the don of NXT, because he did something that nobody else has done. He's actually sent people packing. Well, Grayson Waller kind of did that, but we all know Johnny was leaving. Johnny was Gargano was leaving already, but uh, Tony sent Champa packing on his last night of NXT at uh, NXT TakeOver in Dallas. And then you saw at, well, Heat Wave just now, Tony took Santos out. He made him leave NXT because Santos lost the match. So in my eyes, a boss makes people leave. So Santos is now... Out of NXT, more or less, we'll probably see him on the main roster within the next couple weeks or a month. Who knows? Probably around the draft time. But, uh, yeah, Tony still has uh, Cruz and Joaquin Phoenix and also Electro Lopez under his thumb. So, we'll got to see how that uh, how that whole alliance work out. Will they still want to be under Tony's thumb, or will they try to? Re- uh, rebel against Tony or will they finally succumb to Tony's will and they actually play ball with Tony only time will tell as the uh, future goes with this storyline after this we have the NHT Women's Championship matchup Mandy Rose with Toxic Attraction in her corner going against Zoe Starks Mandy would win the match by pinfall when Mandy would hit Zoe with the knee to the face and then cover her uh, Zoe would kick out of the pin and then Mandy would take Zoe's own knee brace off of her knee and then place it onto her own knee and then knee Zoe in the face with the knee brace on that knee and then pin Zoe for the win. Throughout that whole match, you will see Mandy Rose attack uh, Zoe Stark's left knee that has the brace on it and just really try to make sure that uh, Zoe couldn't stand on that leg. So that's the reason how at the end of the night you saw, well, Mandy beat Zoe because Zoe technically couldn't hold all of her weight on her leg. So, Mandy worked that match smart. She couldn't beat her in power and everything else. She had to be smart by taking out where Zoe was weak, and that's in her leg. I can tell you this right now. I don't think whenever Mandy won the NXT Women's Championship, we would think we would get Mandy holding that belt for 300 days going on, because now she has been the NXT Women's Champion for 300 days and more. So, with that... I don't know who's going to take the title off I mean, we still got Nikita Lyons down in the wake, and they want to pull that trigger. We're getting some women coming over from the NXT uh, UK uh, division over there. I don't know who's going to take the title off of Mandy. I just hope that whenever they do take the title off of Mandy, it's going to be going to somebody that is deserving of the championship. They could give it to Indy if they want, because Indy is a sweetheart of NXT, but we'll have to see when that happens. I just hope that they have the right suitable person For the job whenever uh, Mandy does lose the belt. Now to the main event. NXT Championship matchup. Braun Breaker going against JD McDonough. Uh, Braun would win the match by pinfall. When Braun would hit two spears on JD. And then once he hit the second spear. JD would get up. And he would look at Braun in the face. And you see JD start smiling as he has blood in his mouth. Braun will look disgusted at this as JD stands there. With his arms open and telling Braun to hit him with another one. Because JD's whole thing is that he can embrace the pain while Braun has to endure it. So Braun would hit JD with another spear. And then lift up JD to hit him with a press power slam for the win. Uh, This was a straight match. I didn't like the ending. I didn't at all. You just have your bad guy just like stand there and say hit me with your best spear. I didn't, I didn't like that. I understand that we're trying to make J.D.'s character a sadistic uh, guy that can endure pain. He's a methodical guy. If he wanted to break you down, he could have. That's the type of character that you need to have winning a championship match like this. I'm not saying that it was a bad move, but I didn't like the ending of it, of him just standing there willingly taking another spear. Uh-uh. This is not Batman. This ain't Joker-esque of... Joker said, saying for Batman to hit him with his car. Like that type of deal in the Dark night. Nah, this ain't it. So, again, for me, I didn't like the ending, but the result of Braun still being NXT champion, I'm cool with that. After this, this is where something interesting would happen. Braun would get his championship, and then immediately after that, music would hit. It is the music of the NXT UK champion, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate would walk to the ring. He would get in the face of... With Braun Breaker, they would have a face-to-face with each other. Tyler Bate would smile at him, and then he would tap on Braun's championship, the NXT championship, and you would see Tyler Bate lift up his UK championship as Braun will lift up his NXT championship, and that's how uh, NXT would end. And later in the week, WWE would put out a statement or an article on WWE.com and is basically saying that NXT is trying to Um, expand themselves not just for the UK division they're going to expand over to NXT Europe so we're starting to see NXT open itself up not just from the UK uh, point of view but also towards uh, Europe and also they would announce that a they will be having a event called Worlds Collide it will be featuring NXT stars and NXT UK stars and it will be on Sunday September 4th at 4pm they're doing this to counter-react Uh, All Out, AEW's All Out pay-per-view. This will be happening on September 4th, more or less at 8 o'clock. So they're trying to counter-program that as well. I'm not mad at that because we haven't had a Worlds Collide uh, event, I believe, since, what, 2020? And I'm cool with this because, again, you haven't had a lot of NXT UK talent be given a lot of shine because, again, they're only cared about over there on the UK scene. Well, while the NXT guys and gals over here on American soil, they've been broadcast everywhere. And I believe at least everybody that matters has seen the NXT product. I'm not sure about the NXT UK product. So I'm glad they're getting this opportunity to see and showcase the NXT UK people on the Worlds Collide uh, event. I just want to know how they're going to match up because they only got two more weeks to build this card up. And, I'm gonna, and they got two more episodes to do it, so we'll see how NXT kind of formulates this card. But with that, that is your NXT uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, on to AEW Dynamite. A couple things to note. During the program, you will get a backstage promo with FTR and Warlow, and they basically accept the challenge of Sanjay Dutt, uh, Saddam Singh, and Jay Lethal for a trios match at All Out. And also, next week on Dynamite, you will get a match between Jay Lethal and Dax Harwood. That match I am excited about because Jay Lethal is a good one-on-one wrestler. And Dax Harwood is a great uh, one-on-one wrestler. But he just used more in the tag team wrestling capacity. But let's not get it twisted. If you see Dax wrestling in a one-on-one match, he's actually getting go. So, this match next week is not going to disappoint. Now, AEW would open up with an in-ring promo from the AEW World Champion CM Punk. CM Punk will come out here with his AEW championship and he will say that he has a couple things to get off his chest or a couple things to handle first. And the first thing he wants to handle is something that he calls nothing important as he calls out Hangman Page for a match for the AEW championship right now. Punk will be waiting in the ring, but Hangman wouldn't come to the ring and the crowd would boo and Punk would say, I feel the exact same way. And he would say, that is a cowboy crap. That's coward crap. So this is still building up with Punk and Hangman's situation before Punk left for uh, foot surgery. They had a beef. Remember, Hangman was the AEW world champion. Punk was the challenger. Hangman said that he's trying to save the company from Punk. So we can see that building into something later down the line. Uh, After he calls out Hangman Page and Hangman doesn't come out, Punk would... Then, go off to talk about John Moxley, and this is what he has to say about John Moxley.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I understand that John Moxley's got a lot of fans, and he can be number one in your heart, but he's not number one in this ring. I am the AEW champion. John Moxley has always been number two. There's always that guy that has his number. I'm that guy. Hey, you can boo if you want. But let me know when I'm telling lies. John Moxley is the third best guy in his own group. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme in his career.
0: Punk would continue on beating up Moxley verbally by saying Moxley is an interim champion. Interim means temporary champion. Punk would even throw some shots at Moxley's best friend, Eddie
1: Kingston. John Moxley's not willing to test himself against his best friend. And let's talk about numbers. His best friend is the third best Eddie I've ever been in the ring with. Third. He's the second best Kingston I've ever shared a locker room with. These people aren't number one in anything. Tell me when I'm telling lies.
0: Punk was out here being a straight up bad guy here. There's nobody going to tell me Punk is not the bad guy in this feud. Yeah, sure, you can tell the truth, but this is all about the way you deliver the truth. Punk was going out here just trying to cut at Moxley's throat any way that he can by saying you're the third best man in your group, and it seems like this is a recurring thing. And what you don't know, if people don't know this stuff, because uh, certain people just watch AEW and never watched WWE before, Jon Moxley was in a group with Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. They were known as The Shield. They came in in 2013 at... uh No, no, not 2013, 2012 Survivor Series, and they were there to help CM Punk regain his WWE Championship to become a yearly champion. 365 days. That was the storyline. And the story was that the Shield were guys that were protecting Punk in their first like couple months. And then after that, they started drifted away. Shield did their thing. Punk did his own thing. So, Punk has some uh, memories and some connections with Moxley back then. And now, fast forward years later, Moxley is with Blackpool Combat Club. It's himself, Cesaro, or better known as Claudio Cationelli in AEW and in Independence, uh, Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. And I'm surprised Punk didn't say he's the fourth best guy because I didn't... because I'm not, I'm not surprised that... I am surprised that Punk didn't go there because Punk would like to get underneath people's skin. He could have said the fourth best because he could have put Yuta on top of Moxley because the fans have gravitated towards Yuta and I could just see Punk just being a dick and just trying to twist a knife there the way that he did with Kingston and that still proves with Punk having beef with Kingston just by throwing shots at him right there Moxley will then decide to come out Moxley comes out with his AEW championship and Moxley would say that Punk is living a fairy tale he says that Punk's mind he thinks he's the best in the world but he isn't even the best in catering Mox will say that the belt that Punk is holding doesn't mean anything, and the belt that he's holding doesn't mean anything. Moxley will say that whenever he holds his belt, he always think of where the people say interim, and that was sickening him because he always think of CM Punk. Punk isn't the heart and soul of AEW. Moxley is. Punk will say that you can be the heart and soul you want. I'm the dollars and cents. So I'm the money, while you're just the guy to just hear. Mox and Punk will get into each other's face. They'll have a shoving situation and then fist will start to fly so now the fans are into it they're brawling in the middle of the ring security will come down to the ring to try to separate those guys and also ace steel uh that's one of CM Punk's best friends in the world also one of CM Punk's trainers that he trained with whenever he got into the wrestling business and an employee for AEW will come out to try to separate Moxley and uh punk you will see those two get separated by security and everybody and then that'll be them going off about their day, but that wouldn't be the last time you would see them. After this, you would see Will Hobbs in the back, and you would give an explanation for why he turned on Ricky Starks. Hobbs would say that Ricky was okay with losing, but he wasn't. He was the guy that Ricky got high behind, knowing that Hobbs was there to get the job done, and that Hobbs was the guy that basically... Made sure that Ricky held on to the championship, the FTW championship, but even Ricky couldn't handle that. So that's the reason why Hobbs turned his back on Ricky because Ricky was okay with losing and Hobbs wasn't. After this, we get our first match of the night. Two out of three falls matchup. Brian Danielson going against Daniel Garcia. Chris Jericho will be on commentary for this matchup. Uh, Danielson, Brian Danielson would win the match two to one when Daniel Garcia would get the first fall when Brian would get hit with a Pile Driver by Daniel Garcia, and then Daniel Garcia will lock in the Dragon Sleeper on Brian, and then Brian won't be able to respond. And the referee will call for the bell. So that's one zero, Daniel Garcia. Brian will get the second fall when Daniel again will try to uh lock in the dragon sleeper on Brian. And this time Brian would reverse out of it into a pin and the referee will make the count. So now it's one one. The third fall will come when Brian Danielson will lock in the LaBelle lock and start hammer fisting uh daniel garcia in the head and then brian would apply more pressure on the hold the referee would see daniel garcia uh passed out and he would call for the bell so you had two to one both guys submission game technicians they were both going completely uh 100 miles in this matchup i mean this was a real good match i believe this match was about to go 35 minutes and I implore you, if you have not seen the two out of three falls match between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia, if you don't know what technical wrestling is, and you don't know what real good wrestling is, trust me, you want to see this match between these two guys. It was really, really phenomenal. Now, after the match would happen, you would see Brian Danielson look at Daniel Garcia, grab at his leg, and Daniel Garcia is still kind of unconscious here. Brian would clap it up for Daniel, he would tell the crowd to clap it up for Daniel Garcia. And he would tell Garcia that he needs to join him and the Blackpool Combat Club and leave Jericho and his crap uh, in the past. And then you see Brian extend his hand out to Garcia. And before Garcia could do anything, Chris Jericho would run into the ring and attack Brian from behind and start beating up on Brian. Daniel Garcia would look at Jericho and grab Jericho and push him off of Brian. Jericho would look at Garcia and tell him that he needs to watch what he's doing. And Jericho would then walk out of the ring. Later in the night, you will see Jericho backstage with 2.0, and he would say that he's going to give Garcia a pass for what he did because he had a great match with Brian Danielson, and he still got probably got caught up in the moment. But next week, in front of everybody, he wants to know if Daniel Garcia is still with the Jericho Appreciation Society. So we have that to look forward to next week on Dynamite. After this, we had Tony nice coming out with Mark Sterling. Uh, Tony nice was supposed to have a match, but... As Tony was making his entrance, John Moxley would attack him from behind. John Moxley would get in the ring and call out CM Punk, and he says that he can't wait for All Out and that he wants to do this right now. Punk will come out, but security and other personnel will come out with Punk, and they will still separate both Moxley and CM Punk. And this time, Claudio Cascioli and Willie Uta will come out to separate Moxley from trying to go after Punk. So you have this big situation, Punk and Moxley trying to get at each other, security separating each other, and ultimately, to the shock of everybody, the match that was supposed to happen at All Out for the Undisputed Championship, John Moxley versus CM Punk, it won't happen at All Out, oh no, it's going to happen next week on Dynamite. So next week, we will get CM Punk versus John Moxley for the Undisputed AEW World Championship. That is a complete shocker, because everybody, including myself, didn't think this was going to happen next week. We all thought it was going to happen at All Out because, I mean, just everything just pointed to All Out. A match this big is going to happen at All Out in Chicago, in Punk's hometown, but apparently Tony Khan has a different uh, idea what he wants to do at All Out. Do I know what it is? No. Am I excited to see what happens? Yes. Do I have an idea? Yeah, but I'll wait until the main event to explain what I think should be the main event at All Out. After this, we have the Gun Club with Billy Gunn in their corner going against the Varsity Blondes. The Gun Club would win this match in quick fashion when Colt Gunn would hit the Colt 45 on Griff Garrison for the win. Colt 45 is basically a double underhook, but a spinning double underhook slam. Uh, After the match, Billy Gunn would get in the ring and tell his boys that he is happy with them, and that's the kind of attitude he wants to see from them, basically a quick, dominant-style performance. Billy would hug his kids in the ring and then stokely hathaway will walk out on the entrance stage stokely for the past week has been trying to recruit the gun club to his group of people that he's recruiting and this time it finally got to them billy would be looking at stokely and he wouldn't notice that his sons have attacked him from behind so the gun club are now attacking billy gun and this attack will only last Shortly because the acclaimed music would hit, and they would run down to the ring, and now Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn will leave the ring and start running out of the ring over the barricade into the crowd. Now the acclaim will be left standing in the ring, and Billy Gunn will be looking at the acclaim, trying to just say like, "Hey, don't hit me, I um, just have his hands up." Anthony Bowens will throw up the scissor sign, and he would tell Billy Gunn the scissor room. Billy Gunn would get up scissor Anthony Bowens. He was Scissor, Max Caster, and it seems to me that the Gun Club does not have Billy Gunn by the side anymore. The Claim is now back with Billy Gunn, and I like this unit. I ain't gonna front. I like Billy Gun with the Acclaim, because the Acclaim is literally the most popular over AEW tag team right now, period. And Billy Gunn being with him, it just basically... Puts them on another level, and now with Stokely having the Gun Club on their side, I want to see how this is going to work. Will the Gun Club have be with Stokely for a long period of time? I don't know. Will the Billy Gunn be with the Acclaim for a long period of time? I don't know. I just think that Billy Gunn being with the Acclaim is a perfect fit, in my perf- uh, my personal opinion. Out of this, we had Jungle Boy out here for in-ring promo. Jungle Boy will be out here to talk about the countless ways that he's been trying to get his hands on Christian and Jungle Boy will say that he can continue to try to go after Christian, or they can have a match it all out. Christian will come out and say that he declines that offer because this whole thing is getting out of hand. Christian would say that he is proud of Jungle Boy because now he has become a man, and instead, he wants to now fix their relationship. Christian will say that he is going to take Jungle Boy to the promised land, and that's basically being the world championship. And at the end of the day, they are family, and he is like a son to him. Jungle Boy would act like he is thinking over what Christian just says and thinking about forgiving him, but he ends up double-leg uh, takedowning Christian and start punching Christian. Christian would roll out of the ring, but Jungle Boy would get him and continue to punch him. Christian will eventually roll out of the ring, and now you'll see Jungle Boy follow him outside of the ring. Christian would kick Jungle Boy in the lower section of the stomach, and then you'll see Christian grab Jungle Boy, throw him into the barricade. He would do this... Again, and then try to throw him into the steel steps. Jungle Boy will reverse it and throw Christian into the steel steps. Jungle Boy will grab Christian's arm, put it on the top of the steel steps, put one of his foot on the Christian's arm, and then stomp on it. And now you see Christian quickly grabbing his arm, holding it in pain and agony as he's rolling in pain. Jungle Boy would get off the steel step, grab Christian by the head, and just start bashing his head next to the steel steps. And you see Jungle Boy just talking smack to Christian. Uh, Security and backstage people would have to come down to separate Jungle Boy from Christian. I don't think Christian versus Jungle Boy is going to happen at All Out. It will probably happen at Grand Slam in New York if Christian is back at his uh, 100%. But we will have to see when that time rolls around. Now on to the next match. It is Kaylee King going against... Tony Storm. Tony Storm would win the match by pinfall when Tony would hit an elevated DDT on King for the win. And after the match, we would get told that Tony Storm will be going against Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's Championship at All Out. Now it's time for the main event. In the quarterfinals for the Trio Championship Tournament, it is La Faction Igonabales, which is Andrade El Idolo, Rouge, and Dragon Lee, going against the Young Bucks and a returning. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega will come out, and he will have Don Callis and Michael Nakazawa with him. Uh, Don Callis will be on commentary for this matchup. Kenny will be wearing a black compression shirt with a like shoulder uh, brace on his left or right shoulder, one of the shoulders, and apparently he still has something wrong with his knees because the commentators were talking about that as well. Kenny would get the win for his team by pinfall when Kenny would hit Dragon Lee with a V-Trigger and then hit him with a One-Wing Angel for the win. So the Young Bucks and Kenny have now advanced to the semifinals of this Trios Championship Tournament. This was a good showing between all these guys, Dragon Lee's first match on Dynamite. I'm not sure if he signed to a contract or this was just one night appearance by him, but he had a good showing tonight. And you had Kenny Omega making his return on Dynamite. I mean, everybody was speculating this for weeks. I've said this countless times on past episodes that uh, Kenny's coming back because Tony Khan announced that whenever he would have the trios championships, he would have Kenny Omega inside the tournament. And ta-da, once the championships got announced, we all knew Kenny was coming. So we have Kenny back here. Uh, Kenny looked great. Kenny is still that guy. The fans were going crazy when Kenny uh, got announced as uh, the Young Bucks partner. I mean, if you want to see just anything about it, go to YouTube. If you haven't, if you don't have a cable, trust me, just type in Kenny Omega return and it'll pop up and you'll hear how the fans were going crazy because the fans were silent when uh Brandon Cutler handed Justin Roberts a paper to read off their special uh partner. But once, Justin Roberts starts reading off Kenny's list of accolades. The fans start going nuts because they knew it was Kenny Omega time. Anyway, after the match, you would see Kenny and the Bucks on the ramp. And inside the ring, you would see Andrade and Roosh getting in the ring, looking at Dragon Lee, who's still on the mat. Andrade would start to loosen up Dragon Lee's mask and lift him up. Roosh would lift up the arm of Dragon Lee in the air to probably like tell the fans to clap it up for his brother. And he would do this before shoving Dragon Lee into Andrade, and Andrade would hit Dragon Lee with the armlock DDT. And then you would see Dragon Lee's mask fall off of his face, and you see Dragon Lee cover his face. And then the camera would flash over the Kenny Omega and the Bucks washing this. You would see the Nick Jackson walking over into the ring, and then Kenny will follow him. And that's how AEW ends with basically looking like the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega about to save Dragon League from getting beat down by Andrade and Roosh. So AEW was a good show. It set up a big, like, AEW Dynamite next week that you really can't miss of CM Punk going against Moxley. is setting up the Trio Championship Tournament nicely because now Omega and the Bucks now have to wait for the winners between Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open going against Death Triangle, Their match will happen next week on Dynamite. They will have to be waiting to see who wins that match because whoever wins that match will be going against Omega and the Young Bucks. And personally, I can't wait for next week for Will Ospreay to get in the ring with Pac. They already have some unfinished business from a one-on-one matchup they had a couple years ago that never really got finished. And just seeing both talents that were produced by England, and they both can go... With speed, with power game, they are a completely different type of athletic beast. That's going to be a great thing. And also, we got uh, Phoenix and Penta in the ring together as a tag team. Phoenix is a good wrestler. Penta is a good wrestler. Phoenix is a good high flyer. Penta can do some high fly stuff. I mean, Death Triangle really has everything. And again, this is another opportunity for Ozzy Open to show and open everybody's eyes to know who they are and what they can do if you don't know who Ozzy Open is. And by the way, my thing is, if we don't don't get a screw job next week with Punk and Moxley for the Undisputed Championship and we don't get a World Championship match at All Out, have the trios finals be the main event of All Out. I think nobody's going to have a problem with it because in reality, I think we're going to have the Young Bucks and Omega going against the Dark Order. And I think we're going to finish off a big, long feud, a long storyline between Hangman and Kenny and the Bucks at All Out. Will we see Hangman join back with the Elite, or will we see him side with the Dark Order through and through? I believe that should be the big story going into All Out in the main event. I don't think people are going to be mad at that if we do get that in the main event. If we do... I don't know what people are thinking because AEW is built literally around the elite. So I got to see how Dynamite turns out next week. But if we don't get a screw job finish next week on Dynamite, I would suggest putting the trios finals as the main event of Dynamite. But anyway, that is your AEW uh, Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now off to Impact Wrestling. Before I talk about Impact Wrestling, what happened on this week's episode, they had a... Event last Saturday, well, last Friday, called Emergence, and I'm about to read you off the results for that show. Uh, for the Knockouts Women's Tag Team Championships, we will have new tag team champions, Vex, which is Chelsea Green and Deanna Paraza, would defeat Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie to become the new Knockouts Women's Tag Team Champions. Mike Bailey would defeat Jack Evans to retain the X Division Championship when he hit Ultimate Weapon on the back of Jack Evans. Uh, violent by design. Eric Young and Deaner would defeat Chris Sabin and Kushida when Eric Young would hit uh Chris Sabin with the pile driver then cover him for the win. Bandito would defeat Ray Horse by pinfall when Bandito would hit a rebound German suplex on Ray Horse then cover him for the win. Uh, Sammy Callahan would defeat Steve Macklin in a no disqualification matchup when Sammy Callahan would hit uh Steve Macklin with a package piledriver with. Steve Macklin's hands technically tied behind his back. Not with handcuffs, but like with zip ties. So Steve Macklin couldn't do nothing about it. So that's how Sammy Callahan won that matchup. And the big 10-man matchup. Honor No More's uh, Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, Vincent PCO going against Bullet Clubs, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Hikaleo, and the Good Brothers in a no-disqualification matchup. Honor No More would win that matchup when Matt Taven would hit Dot gals with the climax and that's basically a front headlock driver on a steel can, on a trash can, steel trash can for the win. So Anna Moore is able to stay around and impact. They're still formulated as a team. And also, uh, they get a future tag team championship matchup. After this, we would get our knockouts women's world championship matchup. Jordan Grace defeating Yim to retain her championship when she would hit the Grace Driver, which is a pump-handle driver for the win. After this, we would get Josh Alexander going against Alex Shelley for the Impact World Championship. And Josh Alexander would defeat Alex Shelley to retain the Impact World Championship when he would hit him with a C4 Spike, which is another better known as the J-Driller. And he would cover Alex Shelley for the win. And on Impact, you would be able to see some of the highlights as Impact was Going on, so without further ado, let's start off with Impact Wrestling. And again, side note next week on Impact, you will have a one on one contest between Mike Bennett and Carl Anderson. If Carl Anderson wins, Maria will be banned from ringside when Mike Bennett and Matt Taven get their tag team title shot. Violet by Design will be going against Time Machine, and that is Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Kushida in a six man tag. And the Knockouts Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Vex, which is Chelsea Green and Indiana Peraza, will be defending the titles against the Impact Knockouts champion, Jordan Grace, and her partner, Mia Yim. Now, onto the show. The first match of the night will be a fatal four way matchup. Black Tar going against Laredo Kid, going against Ray Horace, going against Trey Miguel. Black Tar would win the match by pinfall when he hits Destination Hellhole, which is basically an awful waffle. And that's a Chuck Taylor finish. That is basically a backwards, inverted, like, pile driver. And he does that on Laredo Kid for the win. Great high-flying matchup between all four of these men. All four of them were going in the air, flying around. Well, Trey, Ray, Jorrez, and Laredo Kid. Black Toros will only do that on the outside of the ring. And Black Toros was basically the power. So he had powered up on all three of these men from time to time in this matchup. So if you want to see a fatal four-way matchup with high flying and power going down, this is the match for you. After this, you had Kenny King with Vincent in his corner going against Heath. Heath would win the match by pinfall when he hits the wake-up call on Kenny King for the win. After the match, Moore will come down to the ring and surround the ring. They will get in the ring and they will start beating up on Heath because Heath for the past couple weeks has been attacking members of honor and more from behind and him with the wake up call. So this is their chance to take some retribution on Heath. Kenny will hold Heath up and he will allow Matt Taven and Vincent to punch Heath in the face. Mike Bennett was going to elbow Heath, but Eddie Edwards would stop him and said he wants PCO to do it. PCO would pump himself up and Eddie would continue to shout at PCO to hit Heath. PCO looked at Eddie and he start moving towards Eddie like he's going to hit Eddie and this would allow Heath to get out of the grips of Kenny King and it hit uh, Mike Bennett with the wake up call and then quickly sneak out of the ring to avoid or beating him up some more. So. Again, we're still having problems with Eddie Edwards and PCO. I don't know what the problem was with Eddie Edwards going at the PCO randomly. He always says because PCO has been the one losing the matches, but PCO is a guy that you need on your side. And Vincent always has been telling Eddie this, so it's going to come to a head somewhere down the line. After this, we had Savannah Evans with Tasha Steeles in her corner going against Killer Kelly. The reason how this match comes along because earlier in the night, we would see backstage footage of People looking at the monitors and they're watching Killer Kelly's match that she had last week. And they're so gaga by Killer Kelly. And that Tasha Steeles takes offense to this. And Tasha starts saying Killer Kelly's nothing. Tasha's a two-time former uh knockouts tag Team champion. She's a former knockouts champion. Killer Kelly will overhear this. And she will say that she would like to get in the ring sometime with Tasha Steeles. Savannah Evans would get in the way, and that's the reason how we have this match between savannah and killer kelly kelly would win the match by submission where kelly will lock in the killer clutch on savannah and savannah will tap out and to make this better savannah taps out in front of tasha steels tasha steels is literally looking at savannah tapping out in front of her like literally like eye to eye to a degree because tasha's not on the ring steps; she's on like the floor and she sees everything. And Kelly Kelly looks at Tasha Steeles. So you can tell that Killer Kelly and Tasha is going to happen soon. When? They don't announce it, but you can tell it's coming. After this, we have our X-Division Championship matchup. Mike Bailey going against Chris Bay. Mike Bailey will win the match by pinfall when he with the ultimate weapon, which is a shooting star double knees to the back of Chris Bay, then cover him for the win. Again, another great X-Division Championship matchup between Mike Bailey and Chris Bay. I like seeing Chris Bay get these opportunities because he's either in a singles match or tag match. If you don't see him a lot in championship matches, I don't know the reason why. He should have been over there in New Japan in the best of Super Juniors. That's personally my opinion. But I'm glad Chris Bay gets to shine on television when he does. And him going against Mike Bailey, it was just a good match in general to me. After this, main event time. Six-way elimination match, and the winner will be the number one contender for the Impact World Championship, and they will get that match at Battle for Glory. And the competitors in this matchup was Eddie Edwards, Bandito, Steve Macklin, Sammy Callahan, Rich Swann, and Moose. Eddie Edwards would win the match when Sammy Callahan was eliminated first, when Macklin would throw Sammy into a spear by Moose, and then Moose would pin Sammy. Then Moose will be eliminated next when Macklin would roll up Moose immediately after he got done pinning Sammy and the referee would make the count. And then you will see Macklin get eliminated next when Bandito would hit Macklin with a responding uh, German suplex and then Macklin would get eliminated. Bandito was the next one to get eliminated when Rich Swann would hit Bandito with a phoenix splash from the second turnbuckle and then Eddie Edwards would hit a Boston knee party on Bandito that's a running knee. And he would eliminate Bandito. And then finally, Eddie Edwards would eliminate Rich Swan when he would hit them with a Die Hard Driver, which is a Fisherman uh, Suplex. But instead of it being a Suplex, it's a Fisherman Brain Buster on a Rich Swan, And Eddie Edwards wins the match. So, at Battle for Glory, it will be Eddie Edwards going against Josh Alexander for the Impact World Championship. I'm cool with that matchup because they made it on commentary to let everybody know that it's been... Uh, two years since Eddie Edwards has held the Impact World Championship. He held it during the pandemic when it first started. But now, completely different now. We got to see how things go. We got to see if Eddie Edwards' new friendship, new cohorts of no more are going to be around to help him win the Impact World Championship when he comes down for Battle for Glory. Does he want to do it by himself? We got to see how that all comes about. But we got until October for that, so that we got enough time to see how they tell the story and build it up between Josh Alexander and Eddie Edwards and the whole honor no more deal with PCO, get upset with Eddie and try to take him out before Bound for Glory. I don't know. We shall see as Impact uh, happens, but Impact was a good show, especially the main event. I really liked it and also the Exhibition Championship matchup. But with that, that is your Impact Wrestling Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with an in-ring promo from Ronda Rousey. Ronda will say that she isn't leaving the ring until she is reinstated. She mentioned that last week she dropped uh, her fine money and more, so she wants to be reinstated back into the WWE. Ronda will call out Adam Pearce because he's the only person that can do this. And when Adam Pearce does show up, he has four security guards around him in the back. Pierce would tell Rhonda that the decision to have her reinstated is above his pay grade, and Pierce would tell Rhonda to leave the ring peacefully. Rhonda would tell Pierce that last week she did leave the ring peacefully, and she warns Pierce don't make her choose violence. Pierce would send his security guards into the ring to get Rhonda, but Rhonda would destroy the security guards. She would then lock one of the security guards in an arm bar, and this would have Pierce start waving his hands for some assistance, and then you would see two police officers come from the back and start walking towards the ring, Rhonda would leave the ring and start walking towards Pierce. Pierce would tell Rhonda that you were going to spend one night in jail. Rhonda would look at the cops and then give her hands to them so they can arrest her. will put the cuffs on her and then they will take her to the back where they will put Rhonda in the back of a police car and that car would take her out of the arena. And as the police car was leaving, a black SUV would pull up into the arena. The driver would park the car, get out, open up the passenger door and out walks Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has entered the building. After this, we get our first round Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament matchup between Sonya Deville and Natalya going against Toxic Attractions Gigi Dolin and JC Jane. They are here because they are replacing the team of Nikita Lions and Zoe Starks. There was a Shawn Michaels uh, video that played on social media and he told the reasons why uh, Zoe Starks isn't cleared to wrestle and also Nikita Alliance isn't medically cleared to wrestle, so that's the reason why Toxic Attraction's uh GG and JC took their spots. Uh, before the match began, you would see Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EOB in the crowd, right around commentary to watch this match. Toxic Attraction would win the match by pinfall when Natalia had Gigi in the sharpshooter, but Natalia doesn't realize that Gigi isn't the legal participant and this would allow JC to come in and roll up Natalia for the win. So toxic attraction has moved on into the tournament and next week they will be in the semifinals going against Aliyah and Raquel Rodriguez. After this, we will see Sami Zayn walking backstage and he come across Roman Reigns' locker room. The guard outside Roman's locker room would tell Sami that Roman wants to speak with him. Sami would enter Roman's locker room and see Roman Reigns sitting down. Sammy would sit next to Roman and start telling him about how Jay has been aggressive towards him these past couple of weeks. Sammy mentioned that last week he pushed Jay out of the way and he took the Claymore kick that was meant for Jay. And Sammy will slip out of his mouth saying that Jay is ungrateful. Sammy noticed that he made a boo-boo. He looks at Roman and he just doesn't say anything. Roman tells Sammy, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I've been saying that for some time now. Jay is ungrateful. And now Sammy is now relaxed. And he looks at Roman. And he says, yeah, I know. He is so ungrateful. And now you start seeing Sammy cozying up with Roman Reigns. It looks like they're having a buddy time, buddy moment. Roman would get up. And he would leave his phone there. And his phone would start to ring. Sammy would tell Roman that your phone's ringing. Roman would tell him who's who's on the phone. And it's Jay. Roman would tell Sammy to answer the phone call. Sammy does Sammy tells Jay that I'm here with Roman and we don't hear Jay like cussing at Sammy or yelling at him. But we see Sammy's facial expressions and he's saying, hey, calm down. OK, I'll tell him you see Sammy in the call. Roman comes back. Roman asks Sammy, what did Jay want? And Sammy tells Roman that, well, the Usos, they can't get across the border, so they won't be here tonight. Then you start seeing Roman start having a look of concern on his face, but Sammy tells Roman, don't worry about them. You have me here. I'm here. The honorary goose. I got your back. Roman says, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Roman would tell Sammy that he needs to get himself together, though, first for his Intercontinental uh, Number 1 Contenders match that he's going to be having later in the night. And right before Sammy would leave, Roman would ask Sammy, is he still on good terms with Kevin Owens? Sammy says, yeah. And then you would see Roman have a look of, okay... And Roman would tell Sammy, well, I need you to deliver a message to Kevin Owens. And the message is that Roman Reigns owes no one anything ever. And this is playing on to what Kevin Owens told the Usos on Monday Night Raw. When Kevin Owens stunned Drew McIntyre and he looked at the Usos and told him to tell Roman that he owes him one. Sammy would tell Roman that, you know what? I got you and I'll relay the message to Kevin Owens. And then you see Sammy leave. Now we go to the ring and you have Maximal male models in the ring. You have Marseille, Monsois, Max Dupree, and Maxine Dupree. Max will say for the past few weeks, his models have satisfied the juices of the people. And before he can get anything else out, Hit Row will come out and interrupt Max. Uh, Hit Row will get in the ring. Max will get in the face of Top Dollar and say that they are not maximum male model material and you want them to leave out of their ring. Ashanti, the Adonis will hit Marseille, no, not Marseille, Maswa in the face. And then Top will hit Marseille in the face. And then you will see both Ashanti and Top Dollar take both of the models out of the ring. Now you will see Max and Maxine leave the ring. And then Hit Row will get mics and they will perform a song. And the title is called We Back. So again, Top Dollar, Ashanti, the Adonis, B Fab, Hit Row, they're back on SmackDown. They're here to make an impact. They're here to showcase why they should be here, why they shouldn't have left ever last year. Basically, they're just trying to make every moment of the opportunity on TV that's allotted to them. And personally, I'm happy that hit rose back. And also, I was happy to see uh, Max male models on television too because you got Max Dupree, formerly LA Knight, formerly Eli Drake. You got Masay, formerly Mace. You got Maswa, uh, formerly Mansoor. All these guys are able to do something in their own way. And then you got uh, Maxine Dupree, who is a valet that you could play on the side of manager if they want to do something with her down the line. I say that they might, but we'll have to see because right now she's just there. After this, we get our Fatal 5-Way matchup for the number one contendership for the Intercontinental Championship matchup. It's Madcap Moss going against Happy Corbin, going against Ricochet, going against Sheamus, going against Sami Zayn. And I all forgot to tell you that SmackDown is in Montreal, Canada. So when Sami Zayn comes out, he gets a big uh, hero's welcome. The fans are cheering for him. So this whole match is literally built around Sami to the point that the fans want to see Sami anytime he's in the ring. And every time he's thrown out of the ring or getting beat up, the fans will boo whoever's beating up Sami. Uh, Seamus would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the bro kick on Corbin and then cover him for the win. Sammy was going to win the match when Sammy would hit Ricochet with the haluva kick and then cover him, but Corbin would grab Sammy, pull him out of the ring, throw him into the ring post, and this is when Corbin would get in the ring, grab Ricochet, and then that's whenever Seamus would bro kick him in the face. So Seamus will be facing Gunther at Clash of the Castle for the of Championship. When I saw this match, like when they. We're going to preview it and show you the five men that we're going to be in this match. I said, okay, Sheamus is going to win this because we're going to get a hard-hitting match between Sheamus and Gunther at Clash of the Castle because all the other guys, whether it be Ricochet, Sami Zayn, uh, Corbin, or Madcap, they're not going to give a hard, like, striking match that Gunther, Walter, or whatever you want to call him, Gunther, the name has grown on me, by the way, uh, is going to give you whenever you have a big brute like Sheamus who's really able to be as dominant, be as physical as Gunther is. None of those other four guys were able to do this. So I knew Sheamus was going to win, but I feel bad because we're in Montreal. It seems like it set up for Sammy to win. But here's the thing about this. This does set up for whenever Sammy is going to, like, realign back with Kevin Owens because I still believe Kevin Owens is going to be the guy to pull Sami Zayn out of this whole uh, bloodline debacle and actually have Sami join with Kevin Owens. And then they're going to be the guys to take the tag team titles off the Usos. But we'll have to see how that story unfolds when they want to tell that. But I think we're getting there uh, slowly. After this, a video will play of the Viking Raiders in the woods and they will set uh, New Day merchandise on fire, proclaiming that this is the end of the New Day and setting up for a new Vikings Day. So, again, we did get the quote-unquote funeral for the New Days in the Viking Raiders fashion, but we all know what's going to happen. The New Day is going to come back better than ever, recharge, and they're going to have a feud with the Viking Raiders. But we're going to see whenever that time comes around. So, I mean, it was a nice video package that we got here. After this, we would get Liv Morgan going against Shotzi. Liv would win the match by pinfall when Liv would hit Oblivion. For the win, after the match, Shayna Baszler would get in the ring and attack Liv. Liv would be laid out on the mat, and Shayna would grab Liv's arm and put it in position to stomp on it and break it, but she doesn't. Shayna would instead get in the face of Liv and tell her that, I can break your arm right now, but I'm going to wait until Cardiff to break your arm and take the championship from you. Shayna, again, will put Liv's arm in position and act like she's going to break it. But instead, she would kick Liv in the face and then leave the ring. Again, we're playing mind games here. We're showing that Liv is the underdog. She's the underdog champion. How is she going to beat Shayna Baszler? That's the story that we are telling with this whole thing with Shayna and Liv Morgan. Now it's time for the main event segment. Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre coming face-to-face for the End ring Roman will come out here. He's out here by himself. Double championship up. And he has a look of concern. Because when he comes out, he... He does his usual looking around him, and he usually has the bloodline around him, the Usos and Paul, but this time he's by himself, and he gets in the ring, and he would put his hand out, and again, somebody from the bloodline would usually put the mic in his hand, so this time it was a stage hand coming out to put a mic in Roman's hand, so Roman kind of looked off-putting a little bit at the beginning, but Roman would find his way back to being himself, he would tell the Montreal crowd to acknowledge him. And then Roman Reigns will start bringing up the fact that he isn't here every week. So he wants to get a couple things straight. He says that if anyone out here comes out here and said that they are the main event, the face of the company, and they carry the company on their back, and he says Drew McIntyre, they are lying because Roman Reigns is all those things. He is the main event, the face of the company, and he has been carrying this company on his back Since he's gotten here, Roman would then say he has nothing to say to Drew McIntyre because Drew McIntyre is beneath him. Drew McIntyre would then come out and then get in the ring with Roman. Drew would say that he would have loved to say all those things to Roman's face, but Roman isn't here all the time. Drew would then say that Roman doesn't deserve to have those championships because he isn't representing them the way that they need to be represented. Drew would tell Roman that he sees fear in Roman's eyes because it's the only the two of them in this ring. So Drew says, why do we got to wait to Cardiff? Why don't we just fight right now? So Drew's ready to fight. Roman would punch Drew in the face, and now we're off to to uh, both guys just brawling with each other. Drew would get the better of Roman, and he would set Roman up in a way so he could hit him with the claymore kick. But out of nowhere, Sammy would push Roman out of the way and eat the claymore. Roman would Superman punch Drew McIntyre, and now he has Drew set up for the spear, and as Roman runs towards Drew, Drew would hit Roman with the claymore. So now you have Roman on the ground holding his face, laying down, and Drew McIntyre will be holding both championships in the air as SmackDown goes off. So SmackDown ends with Drew McIntyre getting the best of Roman Reigns in this situation. Again, we still have another two weeks until Clash at the Castle, so I would like to see how we're going to build up more with Drew McIntyre and uh, Roman Reigns, and now that we're including Sami Zayn in it, because I have a feeling Sami's going to have some part in with that next week. We're trying to talk to Roman, and then uh, Jay's going to try to get his face be more aggressive, and I can just see all this start building into something because we're almost close to Survivor Series. Because Clash of Castles happened in September, and it doesn't take that much for them to set up something into Survivor Series for probably Kevin Owens and Sammy to go against the Bloodline. That's what I'm hoping that we can get that around that timeline for Survivor Series. If we don't, I don't know what we're doing here, but that's just my thing. But anyway, that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the week. Now off to AEW Rampage. Note here, next week on Rampage, we will have the Dark Order going against House of Black in the Trios Championship Tournament. Now, when Rampage will open up, we will have Claudio Castagnoli and We're the Uta coming out to the ring. Claudio will say that he is happy to be in this ring as the Ring of Honor Champion. He's out here in street gear. He says that he will have loved to be in ring gear and defend this Ring of Honor Championship. So he says, why not? I'm going to throw out an open challenge for me to have a match against anybody on Rampage next week. For the ROA's championship. Dustin Rose will come out and say. He accepts that challenge. And Dustin will tell Claudio that. Those two have a lot in common. Matter of fact. They have some history together. And Dustin will tell Claudio that. For the last 34 years. He has been dreaming of being right where Claudio is. And that's as world heavyweight champion. Dustin will tell Claudio. That if Claudio accepts this championship challenge. Against Dustin. He will give. Claudio, the best Dustin Rhodes you have ever seen. Claudio will accept that challenge and they shake hands. So, next week on Rampage, we will be getting Claudio Castagnoli going against Dustin Rhodes for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. After this, we have the AEW Tag Team Championship matchup. Private Party going against the team of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Swerve and our glory. They are the champions. Keith and Swerve would win the match by pinfall when Swerve would hit the JML driver for the win. After the match, Keith Lee and Swerve would give Private Party some respect because towards the end of the match, Private Party was getting beat down just brutally. They'll take the best shots of Keith, they'll take some best shots from Swerve, and they just wouldn't stay down. So, we can see Private Party more than likely leaving out of Andrade's family, like, unit, his faction that he has here so they could be on their own the way they were in 2019 when AEW first started. Because, again, Private Party has grown into their own both Uh, character-wise and also in body-wise, because you look at whenever they first came in to now, they've bulked up in weight. So you can now see them as a legitimate tag team. And if they get more on-screen time, I can see Private Party being as big or even bigger than what they were in 2019 when they beat the Bucks. That's only if you put a lot more TV time on Private Party. After this, we had the FTW Championship matchup. Zach Clayton going against the champion Hook And Hook would win this match, and I kid you not, within a blink of an eye. And I mean this seriously, because as soon as the bell would ring, Zach would try to throw a punch at Hook. Hook would duck it and then lock in the red rum and make Zach pass out. So, Hook would win the championship by submission. After the match, we would go backstage when we would see 2.0, talking into the camera, congratulating Hook on winning his match. They will say that they are sick of seeing Hook walk around like he owns the place. And they talk about how prestigious the FTW Championship is. And they wonder, what if a sports entertainer were to hold on to that championship? And they keep on saying, what if? What if? So it seems to me that somebody from 2.0 or possibly somebody from the Jericho Appreciation Society is going to go after Hook for the FTW Championship. After this, we would get Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart. In his corner going against Serpentico. Buddy will win the match by pinfall. When Buddy would hit the pump handle driver for the win. After the match Miro's music would hit. And Miro would walk out onto the entrance stage. And he's holding Malachi Black's mask. He would throw the mask on the ramp. And you see Buddy rush up to meet Miro. Now you have Miro and Buddy brawling. And Miro would overpower Buddy. Miro would batter Buddy in the ring. And then thrust kick Buddy right in the face and have Buddy fall out of the ring. So now we're continuing, and we're actually building now upon Miro going after the House of Black members. On commentary, they were trying to hype up what did Miro do to Malachi Black. Because again, next week, we're supposed to have the House of Black going against the Dark Order in the Trios Championship Tournament. And with them probably having now Miro like throwing out a symbolic gesture of saying that he probably took out Malachi Black. Where does this leave House of Black going into next week's trio matchup? That's the big mystery mark here. After this, we will have Penelope Ford going against Athena. Athena would win the match by pinfall when she would hit Penelope with the O-Face, which again is a top turnbuckle jumping stunner. After the match, Athena will get attacked from behind by Leila Gray and Kira Hogan, the baddies. The baddies will grab Athena and hold her as Jade Cargill will come out on the entrance stage, hand Stokely her TBS championship, Stokely will hand her a sledgehammer, and you will see Jade start destroying Athena's uh, entrance wings. Those are the wings that Athena comes out on her entrance with the sledgehammer. Uh, Jade would destroy him. Jade would then come down to the ring. Athena would break free from Layla Gray and and, uh, Kiera Hogan. Jade would then hit Athena in the stomach with a sledgehammer laying Athena out. So we're still building on to the feud of Jade and Athena. They have not announced that Athena will be going against Jade at All Out. I can see that match being announced probably by next week. If not, then they're probably just going to save it for the last week of uh, All Out. Like, the Rampage building up to All Out. Now, for the main event of Rampage, quarterfinals in the Trios Championship Tournament, Trustbusters... Ari Ardivari, Slim J, and Parker Boudreaux, and they had Sunny Kiss in their corner going against best friends Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Chuck Taylor. Orange Cassidy would win the match for his team by pinfall when Trent and Chuck would hold Slim J in position, and Orange Cassidy would get on the shoulders of Trent and Chuck, jump off, and hit a body splash onto Slim J, and then cover him for the win. This was a good match. We got Parker Boudreaux being the muscle for the Trust Busters. We got to see Slim J do some. Uh, things. We got to see Ari Navari Russell. People love the best friends. Specifically Ars Cassidy. Anything Ars Cassidy does people just pop and cheer for it. So once they won, the people were happy that uh, the best friends won. So they now do advance in the Trios Championship Tournament. And that is your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now before I get you guys out of here, I just want to make a quick note on something that I mentioned earlier. In the reviews, I was talking about an NXT that where they're going to have a World's Collide event on September 4th, where the NXT UK people are going against the NXT roster. Well, here's an update for you. Um, After this World's Collide event will be happening, NXT UK will be shutting down. Again, as I said, we're going over to NXT Europe. They're expanding the brand, not just from the UK, but to Europe. So with that, NXT UK will be shutting down, and they will be reopening back in 2023. So what that means is NXT Europe is taking the place of NXT UK. And with that, WWE has decided to release some UK talent from their contract. So I'm about to list you off the people that were released from WWE. Um, There was Emil... Mark Andrews, Zia Brookside, Eddie Dennis, Sexton Huxley, Sam Gradwell, Amir Jordan, Dana Luna, Dave Mastiff, Amelia McKenzie, Primate, Nina Samuels, Shaw Samuels, Sid Sakal, Trent Seven, Ashton Smith, Jack Stars, T-Bone, Man, Flash Morgan Webster, Wild Boar, and Kenny Williams. That is twenty-two wrestlers that were released from the NXT UK side. Now, don't be doom and gloom just because to least twenty-two people got released. We always go to the doom and gloom side, but if anything has shown you within these past couple of weeks that Triple H will be rehiring some of these people back, I don't know if this was under Triple H knows. Does he know about all these people that got re that like got released? I have no idea. I think he would have held on to Trent Seven. I think he would have held on to Kenny Williams. I think he would hold on to a Flash Flash Morgan Webster. I think he would have held on to some of these people that I know of in here, like a Mark Andrews, uh, probably even a Dave Mastiff because they need another big, heavy guy on their roster. I think he would hold on to some of these people that got released here. But again, we are expanding the NXT UK brand to the NXT Europe. So don't, Fret, we will be seeing more or less probably all these people back on NXT uh, NXT Europe side in 2023 unless they get signed to Impact or they probably even go over to AEW. That's the only time that I think we won't be seeing these people over on the Europe side of the NXT when they reopen in 2023. But if none of them gets picked up by Impact or AEW, expect to see them in uh, Europe in 2023 with WWE again. So again, this is not like a boo-hoo situation. Yes, they are dropped from a big multi-million dollar, well, a billion dollar company. But they're able to work the independence. They're able to actually get people to talk about them the way they should be talked about instead of just one continent talking about them. Now they actually can fly over to America, fly over to Japan and do anything that they want to do as an independent wrestler and actually build up their name, and even to the point that when WWE comes knocking back and calling you back, you can ask for a bigger uh, character-driven presentation on their European expansion, meaning that you can be a big force over there, and they can put a whole lot of spotlight and shine on you. That's just my idea if I was being released. I'd be like, okay, now it's time for me to get to work, start for me to try to... uh, get booked any everywhere because, again, the people that know these people and they have connections to certain other people and other companies, they're going to get booked on places everywhere and they're going to start building up their credibility in their name again. So, don't look at this as a bad thing. Just look at this as a we'll see you later in 2023. So, NXT UK is going to be gone in September after September 4th, after the Worlds Collide event and NXT UK will be expanding over into NXT Europe in 2023. So that does leave me to ask this question. Where is the NXT UK Championship is going to be going? Are we going to unify them at the World's Collide event? Are we just going to have one solitary belt? I can see that. So we're going to have Tyler Bate going against Braun Breaker for a unification matchup. We're going to have the NXT Women's Champion uh, Mandy Rose going against... The NXT UK Women's Champion. We're gonna have the NXT UK Tag Team Champions going against the NXT Tag Team Champions. I can see all that happening at Worlds Collide, and I wouldn't be mad at it. So whenever they do a rebrand of Europe, we're just gonna have a tournament to crown new champions over there. And again, a fresh start that'll be great for everybody when twenty three, uh, two thousand twenty three happens for the NXT UK. Well, NXT Europe. I'm gonna take me a minute to get used to not saying UK, but. NXT Europe. So, again, no fret, don't worry guys, er- everything's going to be fine. Just pay attention to your uh favorite wrestlers, they got released social media page and you'll be able to see exactly where they're going to be showing up next now with that being said let me get you guys out of here on twitter you can find me at, at my two podcasts instagram my two cents podcast g2 email my two cents pod at yahoo.com i want to thank everybody for listening i hope everybody has a great saturday please be careful out there please don't be a dick please be cautious of every single person you don't know what somebody's going through so don't try to be a dickhead just be courteous now with that all being said i love you all i hope you guys have a great saturday and kanye could you please take these people home i'm tired you tired Uh jesus wept